On episode number one of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, we're doing a podcast. Yeah, we'll introduce you to us, those behind Alberta Dugout Stories. Welcome to the very first edition, I can't believe I'm saying this, Ian Wilson, the very first edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm a little excited, I'm a little nervous, I mean, I'm used to the radio side of things, but I'm not used to having someone in my basement (laughs) more than anything. I think you're actually one of the first people who's ever stepped foot down here. Yes, so I will get out of here, right? <laughs> <laughs> there, I, I didn't set up any dungeons or anything like that, so, nice. so you're good on that front. Uh, my name is Joe McFarland, and he is Ian Wilson, and together we are the brain children behind Alberta Dugout Stories. So thanks so much for tuning in and giving us a shot here. We're trying something a little different, something that we've been planning for a while, to be honest, and life kind of got in the way a little bit. Um, in terms of we were kind of hoping sort of September-ish, and then I decided to get a job or a different job, and Ian ended up getting you know busy with he has two kids and life, and but it's nice to finally have this come to fruition. Yes, it's nice to take it from the dugout to the on deck circle to uh, to the plate. Fantastic! I like the see, and this is why we bring you in. I'm the the guy who verbalizes things and you're the guy that can put the nice little color to it so um ian let's get the kids to get to know us a little bit and we'll start with you sort of what got you into baseball in the first place yeah i've i've been a lifelong fan of baseball i i didn't ever really play it in any organized fashion um i grew up in a time where it was you didn't have quite so many, so much organized sports around. And uh, so we did the, hey, it's recess. It's after school. What are we doing today? Some days it'd be basketball, some days football, some days street hockey, and a lot of the time baseball and kind of grew from there to and then later on just watching it on TV and really gaining an appreciation for what I think is a, is a beautiful game. Uh, of course, being Canadian, I think both you and I also love hockey, and that's part of our background as well. But I, I think as far as sports go, I my love of baseball is 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 a little bit greater. I think it uh, there's something to the sport that is more poetic, more beautiful than than most games, uh, if not all games out there. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that way, and and given that we're not in the hotbed of baseball per se in in the the grand scheme of things but this sport has such a beautiful past at the end of the day right like you look at you know you can go back to the the days of the broncos and the med hat hatters and and the early 1900s and then you go through the the years of guys coming up through the southern alberta ring and you know guys like pat gillick played in vulcan and that kind of thing and then you end up with the pioneer league and and calgary the calgary cardinals at one point and calgary expos and med hat blue jays and lethbridge expos and dodgers and then i think uh, from what i've gathered is where you really i think both of us grew up in 
was uh, was the PCL and, and in particular the Calgary Cannons. Yeah, and even before that, you mentioned the Pioneer League, and I, I grew up in Medicine Hat. Uh, so my first exposure to live professional baseball was the Medicine Hat Blue Jays. And um, you know, when you're a kid, I don't think you fully appreciate the sports that you attend live. I also went to Medi- get to watch lots of great Medicine Hat Tiger games that didn't you – know, it resonated in that mm-hmm. you were at a live event, and it was fun, and there was – a pulse there, and I think the the Blue Jays did that, and I, I remember seeing too on those uh, on the walls outside some of the alumni later on, and it really clicking in that wow, there's been some really good players who've come through here, and of course as you get older, you know, moving to Calgary, and you well even before I moved to Calgary, we came up to watch the Cannons. A lot of the time, you 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 heard of guys like Tino Martinez and Edgar Martinez, and you're like, yeah, let's go check those guys out and see mm-hmm. what they're all about. And I remember going to see Sammy Sosa uh, when he was just a scrawny kid. There was no way in my mind that I would ever think he'd be a home run Goliath that he was. <laughs> he was just this freakishly fast, uh, you know, bit of an adventure in the outfield kind of kind of player for for Vancouver at the time, and. Um, yeah, that's part of the fun of baseball. You never really know where where it's going to lead you. Yeah, and it's funny how we never really crossed paths until about six or seven years ago, and yet I spent a lot of time in the hat myself. And my very first game baseball wise that I ever saw live in person was at Athletic Park. Toronto Blue Jays came through town, and I think Joe Carter and Robbie Alomar and the whole crew. They might have only played in like two innings against the, I believe it was the NBI Blues. And there were two names on that roster. I still have the the game sheet from that game. Two names that ring a bell to me. One ended up playing pro baseball, and his name was Corey Koski. And Corey was spelled with a K, I think, or there was some weird spelling with his name, and it didn't make any sense. And I was like, oh, it's that guy. The other one ended up becoming a pretty big name in Medicine Hat Baseball is Greg Morrison. And so it's interesting to to see that connection. And then weirdly out of all of it is the one autograph that I managed to get out of it was Darnell Coles, who ended up playing baseball. I think he was with the Cannons for a while. So That's right. There's, uh, it's funny how the, the baseball world is small that way, but that's the beauty of why we decided to do what we did and and to go back to the beginnings of dugout stories so we launched online with the social media platforms on facebook and twitter in march of late march i believe opening day 2017 and within three months we were just kind of doing all the hey here's some birthdays or here's some weird factoids that we found and that kind of thing and then we decided that there'd be some there's got to be something more to it. In that June or early July, we launched the website, and it's kind of picked up steam, and we've kind of gotten a little bit more oomph to it. And this past summer was uh, was record numbers for us, and it continues to grow, which has been a, a credit to all of you, our followers, and our and now our listeners, uh, for continuing to support ADS. And I wanted to ask you and. In the year and a little that we've been posting stories, any stories or any interviews that really stick out to you that make you go, yeah, that was that was a wicked story? Uh, lots of them. Uh, there's so many stories here. And I know when we first discussed doing this this project, um, I know I, I kind of came into it with a, 
historical view in mind, um, looking at, again, the history of Pioneer League and uh, Pacific Coast League and so many great players who came through. And then as we've gone along and, and met uh, so many of the athletes and coaches involved in the uh, uh, Western Major Baseball League, soon to be Western Canadian Baseball League, uh, it's just been incredibly impressive, some of the the athletes and, and coaches and just the talent this this province has. And, and again, when we discussed starting this up, uh, I know we both realized that... Um, you know, not enough was being said about the sport in this province. It's a great sport, and it's also um, largely unheralded here. But mm-hmm. to get back to your original question about favorite stories and interviews, um, uh, there's a couple that come to mind. One of one on the historical side of things, uh, doing a story on Jackie Robinson uh, coming to Calgary in 1955 after Dem Bums, uh, the the Brooklyn Dodgers, mm-hmm. win the World Series. Uh, he made his first speaking stop in Canada, in Calgary, and he did it in December. He came to Calgary in December of 1955. It's a risky move, Mr. Robinson. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think there was an audience of, of 200 or so, and, and in talking to the Glenbow Museum, they had these great uh, pictures of his, his visit here and just some stuff that I had never seen before or, or knew of before, and I just thought, wow, here's a guy, uh, just a legend in the sport, who I'm not sure how many people in Calgary or Alberta or Canada know that he came out this way and, and came to talk about, obviously, equality and racism and uh, some of the hardships he endured, but also just to talk baseball and talk about mm-hmm. some of the best uh, pitchers he faced, some of the best players he played against, the managers he liked, the umps he didn't. He, uh, you know, the Herald did a great job of covering it at, at the time, and uh that one sticks out. I still love the the historical significance of that visit. Uh, on the other side of things, um, one of the players I interviewed, Adam Mako, uh, with the Vauxhall Jets, um, his story is just fantastic. Uh, he's originally from Slovakia, baseball hotbed. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I wonder how many baseball players came out of Slovakia. <laughs> Not many. Yes, by way of Ireland, another uh, yeah. <laughs> baseball hotbed. And, uh, yeah, he, the way that he came to know and, and develop his talent in the sport was through YouTube and just studying Justin Verlander and just breaking tape and breaking video nonstop and then taping himself and emulating it. And he's turned into uh, just a fantastic talent, a fantastic prospect. Uh, his dad, obviously, Vladimir is one of uh, his biggest uh, cheerleaders and just a great guy to talk to as well about his son and he's going to be yeah going to Purdue here right away so just some of those stories are just they're just so great to see some of the the talent that a lot of people don't know about well I think too like when you go back to just the level of talent is everybody kind of expects the I guess the harbinger I don't know if that's the right word or the the key to the success is making it to the majors and yet for a lot of these kids it's just as good to be able to go to college for four years, you know, or go to JUCO for a couple, and then they go on to a Div 1 school. And it's interesting that way is the number of kids that are coming out of this city or out of this province and are doing great things at a post-sec level. And then it's not even necessarily having to go down to the States, but you've got some great post-secondary institutions that are pumping out great talent kids here in Canada, whether it's the University of Calgary or, or TRU out in BC. or There's all these different um, avenues that these 
kids that they didn't want to play hockey or they decided that they didn't want to play football or whatever the case may be, they went a different path and they got themselves a pretty darn good path at the end of the day, which is which has been great to see. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one thing it offers is, uh, again, um, Mike Soroka is fantastic, great guy to talk to, mm-hmm. uh, very down to earth, very smart, very poised for, for a man of his age. And uh, it's great to have him as a, a beacon of light that mm-hmm. other players can look at and say, hey, this guy from Alberta, this guy from Calgary did it, I can do it. But you're right, the, uh, the ability to have your education potentially paid for, to travel around the states to some areas that you might not get to go to is is exceptional, and uh, there's also there's um, careers in baseball afterwards. Uh, you look at some of the coaches that move on after they've they've done the school thing. Maybe they played indie ball, maybe they didn't. But uh, you know the, the new prospects coach Jordan Blundell, he he played college ball and uh now he's he's coaching the the prospects in the wcbl so there's i think that's open to a lot of kids who who want to pursue it and basically i think you can go as as far as you as you want to within you know obviously your talent Mm -hmm. takes you to a certain level but i also think your smarts and your work ethic kick in as well yeah and the interesting thing too is a lot of these kids who have gone fairly far or have been able to uh, go to the college level and maybe get drafted in Major League Baseball and maybe you know have a cup of tea over in double-A ball or that kind of thing, they're very quick to come back, right? And, and now we have all these different academies that have popped up, whether it's, you know, Dogs Academy's been going on for a while, Vauxhall's been going on for a while. We now have Prospects Academy and, and Badlands Academy, I mean, there these Saint Albert, Saint Albert, yeah. There's there. some great things that are happening in the sport itself here as you start to see the game develop. And I don't think anybody will argue that the Blue Jays have an influence on that. And certainly, the last couple of years, uh, I know we'll be talking to uh, one of the gents from Baseball Alberta in the in the coming episodes here about the growth of the game. And and they were they he was saying that a couple of uh, a couple of years ago or ten years how did it go. Ten years ago, uh, the number of players who were playing ball was half of what it is now. Wow. So in that time, they've been able to grow the game that much. And you have to think that with that much growth, there's going to be that much more talent that is going to be making its way to a higher level. And even if they don't go on to pro ball, they're coming back and they're giving back to the community. And you're starting to see that went through the academies and through some of the schools and even even minor ball, for that matter. They're showing the ropes and, and showing some great things. And it's not just the guys either because there's some great talent that's coming through uh, Alberta on the ladies' side as well, and we saw it over the summer with uh, with five Alberta gals making it to Team Canada and, and representing our country well in the in the Women's World Cup not too long ago in in uh, Florida. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that you did a lot of reporting on the the women's side of uh, of things, uh, and you asked me earlier about some of my favorite stories mm-hmm. and interviews. Tell me a little bit about uh, wh- who you like talking to and which stories you like penning. Oh man, there. You know what? The, the great thing about what Alberta Dugout Stories is all about, and we've said this from the onset, is that what our goal is is to never 
scoreboard chase, I'll call it that, is we're really about the stories that are behind, beyond the scoreboard in a sense. Um, and so it's allowed us to kind of dig a little deeper and show some of the personality that comes with the, with the game and with the players and the athletes. And that's the one thing that I'm very grateful for. And, and you mentioned Adam Mako, and, and I love that his dad is so involved that way. And everybody that we've talked to to this point, I would argue, has been extremely welcoming in that regard. And, and the number of people that have reached out and said, oh, that was a great story and that, and that kind of thing is, is nice to see. The, in terms of the stories that I really enjoyed are the ones that have a, a, an element of having to go through something to be able to play the game. And so the two that really stuck out to me, one was uh, Nick Vickers going and sharing the story of him going through Tommy John surgery and to see him actually, uh, I saw he just went back to college and he was, he made it to the inter-squad game for, for his college. And, and I went, you know, that's, that's pretty cool to see that he's been able to, to come back from that uh, is, is pretty interesting. I'm looking forward to hopefully uh, touching base with Nick again, because I want to do a follow-up story. And, and of course have him on the podcast. I mean, that's the whole new element that we get to talk about now. Um, the other one that I, I took a lot of, uh, had a lot of fun with was, uh, the Miles Coran story. It's called rundown. Um, and it's about a kid. He, so he's a university of Calgary, uh, player, and he's been dealing with playing with MS since he was 12. And I just can't imagine not having full function of my hands or, you know, feeling lightheaded or having feet feeling like they're concrete. I mean, me playing ball, you can probably imagine <laughs> that my feet feel like concrete all the time anyways. But for a guy to be playing at that level um, and a very welcoming uh, discussion that was born out of what seemed like a pretty weird set of circumstances in terms of how we even came across the story was... Uh, for those of you who have followed Alberta dugout stories to this point, we did the one through nine series over the course of the year with, uh, with the, uh, with the Alberta WNBL teams. And a couple of guys, when we asked the question, who's your favorite, uh, teammate, two different guys said miles Curran and mentioned how he's been, mo he's a motivator and he's an inspiration and that. And so it got me onto the conversation with a cup with both of them was, what is it about him? And they mentioned the MS thing. I went, huh. And chatting with Miles, like our our conversation was 25 minutes long. The interview was. Talked to his dad, Chris, another 25 minutes long. Chatted with his coach, uh, Jeff Freeborn, who you did a story on for, uh, because he's a, a well-known side armor. Uh, that was man. a 10 or 15. <laughs> yeah, Traveling Man was, uh, was the name of that story. Uh, that was a 15-minute conversation. It took me over a month to put that one together, but when it came out, I I was extremely happy to see that one that story uh, get put into the spotlight. Excellent. It's uh, this is this is the kind of thing that we have planned over the next little while, and and so to give you a bit of a, a look forward as we've looked to the past with Alberta dugout stories is uh, what I have envisioned here. And I think the podcast is going to take a few different turns perhaps. And what it's going to start off as is interviews. We do a ton of them. And so it's nice to be able to maybe give you guys the full context of the conversations that we have and some of the things that maybe don't make it because they hit the cutting room floor and never get seen again, but yet are interesting 
facts in the grand scheme of things. I look at the uh, the interview with Rolando Pino in the story I wrote about Eric Kratz, and I asked him a question, and it didn't make the the interview. Was do you look back on the days in Medicine Hat and? He coached in 98 and 02, and I said, which players stick out to you as guys who you knew right away were going to be players and they were going to make it to the bigs? And and he said, Orlando Hudson was one, and actually both guys were from the 98 team. Eric Kratz didn't even men- get mentioned in that conversation, weirdly enough. Uh, one was O-Dog, and he said, and he shared a, a really funny tale about O-Dog was 18 at the time when he made it to the uh, Baby Jays, and he ended up, uh, getting to start most games because he was sort of the the kid that was the blue chipper and everybody knew he could hit, but he couldn't play defense to save his life, which is quite the contrast to how he turned out in Major League Baseball because he was pretty well known for his glove. But uh, Rolando was saying that he ne- he didn't actually have him out there for most eight or ninth innings of games because he had 23 or 24 year olds who he felt were better or were less defensive liabilities in the field. So that one was a fun one. And then he also said that Bob file was the other guy that he thought was a, was a pretty big blue chipper. And for the simple fact that he was actually drafted as an outfielder and they ended up in the rookie league, turned him into a pitcher, and he closed for the Met Hat Blue Jays in 1998 and actually picked up quite a few saves, according to uh, BaseballReference.com, which has become my favorite website known <laughs> to mankind. So, uh, so yeah, so, that is sort of the, the game plan going forward, is a, a lot of the interviews we do, we're going to share them with you and, and write stories based off some of those interviews. Some background there on, on Eric Kratz, for those who don't know as well, he was one of the more... Uh, celebrated and fun stories of uh, the postseason this year, the catcher for the Brewers who uh, started his career in Medicine Hat with the Blue Jays and is the last active Blue Jay. We'll see if he's back in the MLB next year. And one of the fun things that happened with him was he had all of his buddies. Mm-hmm. He's he's a journeyman catcher. He's played on, I don't know how many teams, it's but it's a lot. Seven <laughs> major league teams in nine years or something like that. Yeah, so he had some of his buddies uh, wear all of his different jerseys, uh, kind of a baseball's version of the, the traveling Yoggers, which was a really fun moment to see. And obviously a guy who's not taking, taking where he is in life for granted. So he was a very good story to watch this postseason. So that's going to do it for episode number one of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. Again, it's going to take me a while to get used to this whole idea of having a podcast to go along with with the website. But we couldn't do it without uh, our sponsors and without the support that you guys give us each and every time. And I do want to single out our, our sponsors. If you haven't checked them out on our website already, head on over to albertadugoutstories.com. Uh, and if you want to be a, a sponsor or a partner, by all means, reach out to us, uh, Alberta Dugout Stories at gmail.com is the place to go for that you can also check us out on instagram and twitter and facebook definitely reach out if you have not only sponsorship inquiries but also if you've got a story idea we're more than happy to uh to take a listen to the stories because again we want to tell alberta's baseball tales we want to be able to spotlight the people and it's not necessarily just the athletes either it's the coaches it's the volunteers it's the fans it's the billets it's everybody involved it's it's one of the reasons why we created this website and the reason that we we keep going with it is it's a sport that i think gets the shaft when it comes to coverage in this in this province and and probably rightfully so when you just base it on numbers 
Hockey is the big dog in town. Football is the next big dog in town. But I think a lot of people underestimate just how much, uh, how strong the baseball uh, community is here in Alberta. And, and it's it's absolutely our honor and our privilege to be able to uh, share those stories and be able to uh, have your faith, I guess, in a sense, in, in you guys all believing in us to uh, to continue to support us over the last year and a half now. It's crazy time time has flown man it's like, been fun it's been it's ride. yeah other than uh full disclosure uh, ian wilson uh really loves to text and uh <laughs> there have been moments where we both have significant others and i'm pretty sure both of them have wondered whether or not we're we're boyfriend boyfriend i think <laughs> you're my work husband and i'm willing to accept that all right, I don't know where to go with that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think my wife realizes that uh, when I'm texting other people, she really it doesn't have much to Nothing worry about. To worry it's about. probably either a either you, a baseball player, coach, or <laughs> or, <laughs> or someone of that ilk. So, uh, so I think we're we're all good there. <laughs> Fantastic, man, Ian. Uh, thanks for coming down to sh- uh, to the basement of Joe. Uh, <laughs> I, it's still a work in progress, obviously, and and I hope you don't mind the the flames thing in the in the background uh, there. I know you're wearing an Oilers hat, so of course, and my Jackie Robinson jersey. Of course. <laughs> so, again, thank you for coming in, and thank you, our listeners, our supporters, our sponsors, for uh, for continuing to uh, show some faith and show the support that you do with Alberta Dugout Stories. We're looking forward to uh, giving you more stories, and I'll tell you right off the bat, the next episode is all going to be about Alberta baseball, and in particular, Baseball Alberta. Weirdly enough, we'll be chatting with Darren Dakinder from Baseball Alberta about the state of the game here in the province. Again, thank you all so much for listening to the very first edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast.